0: What encouraging words. Let's take a seat. And let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you so much. At the beginning of the world, you looked over everything you've made and said, it is very good. We thank you so much that you've created us to know you and to enjoy you forever. And there is more in this world of you to enjoy and explore. There's more in this world that you've made to know and enjoy and because of sin, we don't see that clearly and we struggle to trust your way. So help us as we look at your word for the next few minutes to look at this particular part of creation, friendship. and Help us to live wisely and enjoy the good things that you give us. For Jesus' sake, amen. There are two proverbs on friendship that I hope we'll all memorize. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. And Proverbs 18, A person of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That's the kind of friend I want to be. I want to be the brother born for adversity. I want to be the friend who sticks closer than a brother. And that's the kind of friend that we have in Jesus Christ. He is that friend to us. And... If at the end of today, the end of of this meeting, we go away, we memorise them, we talk about them over the dinner table, in our home groups, our focus groups, then that will be a huge step towards being the type of friends to one another and showing the type of friendship that Jesus describes uh, in John 15. Um, That's what I'm going to say on Proverbs. Okay, imagine if I told you that you would never be married. Or imagine if I told you that your children would never be married how would you feel my guess is there would be understandable sorrow and a right sorrow marriage is a good thing that God has made it's a gift he's given to humanity Uh, and it's wonderful to see good marriages and there would be understandable sorrow to say that's probably not going to be mine but marriage is a gift of God it's not a promise of God and we know that in the world we live in, and actually, as we check the statistics in this country, we find that the number of people who remain unmarried is going up. So the Office for National Statistics measured that the number of unmarried people in England and Wales has gone up from 5% to 13% um, between the years of 2002 to 2017. So maybe you have experienced, or you are experiencing, the worry that perhaps marriage won't happen for you, What does that mean? Or maybe you are or you know some people who are lesbian or gay and they know that following Jesus means committing to his idea of marriage, which is between a man and a woman. So it feels like saying yes to Jesus means saying no to getting married. What does that mean for you? Do you feel like I sometimes feel that Being single means basically signing up to a life of loneliness and misery. Do you feel, as I sometimes do, that life will be one long regret because you never met the right person for you and you never got to enjoy the only source of relationship, comfort, and companionship that is available to us? If we start to examine that question, how do I feel if I found out that I wouldn't be married? Well, what does it expose? What does it reveal about what we believe About life? Do we really think that the choice is between being married and being miserable? Well, if you feel like that, as I do from time to time, I'm really glad you're here uh, because that's not the choice the Bible gives us. That's not the life God presents to us. The Bible doesn't mourn singleness, rather, it celebrates it. Jesus Christ was single his whole life, Paul, the Apostle Paul, was single. In the new creation, Jesus teaches explicitly that none of us will be married in the way that we're married in this age. And yet we'll be far, far happier, far more relationally satisfied then than we could ever be now. So the thing the Bible mourns is not being unmarried, but the Bible does mourn being alone. It does mourn loneliness. And being unmarried ought not to mean that we are alone because God gives us two big relational pillars. He gives us family, and he gives us friendship. And maybe one of the reasons we think that we need to be married in order to have real companionship in our life is because we're missing out on really good friendships. So, for example, listen to what one commentator, whose book I do not recommend you buy wrote about David and Jonathan's meeting in our Old Testament passage. He writes, When was the last time you saw a heterosexual man swept away by brotherly love offer another man his most precious possession in their first encounter? The author of Samuel is describing a classic love-at-first-sight encounter that just happens to involve two men. And what the author of this commentary reveals is that he just cannot conceive of a friendship on those terms. He thinks there must be something sexual going on. What else could motivate Jonathan to behave that way towards David? But what if, what if there were depths of friendship that we haven't yet experienced? What if our obsession with sex has meant that we've been blinded to the riches of real friendships and we've cut ourselves off from enjoying those friendships as we travel through life together? Imagine if if the type of friendship between David and Jonathan was typical at JPC. Imagine if if there were friendships at JPC, if we enjoyed friendships that that took real risks for one another. If we suffered disgrace for one another because of our friendship. If we celebrated the victories of one another because uh, because of our friendship. If our friendships caused us to grieve deeply the loss of the other. And if our friendship moved us to willingly provide financially for the next of kin of our friends after they died. David and Jonathan, they did all of these things for one another in the events described in 1 Samuel uh, from chapter 17 to 2 Samuel chapter 9. And imagine if, if Jesus' words in John 15:13, greater love has no one than this, that a person lay down their life for their friends. Imagine if it didn't just mean, oh, look what a loving chap that guy is. He loves people even, even though they're not his family. Imagine if instead it meant, look at the love between those friends. They lay down their lives for one another, even though they're not related to one another. Imagine if the, the friendships between us at church were so strong that we were willing to lay down our lives for one another. I mean, if that was true, how could we possibly allow ourselves to think that marriage is the only form of companionship available to us. And as I say all this, I realise that's a high bar for friendship. And I feel my own poverty as a friend to my friends. And I want to be better, a better friend to them. So for the next few minutes, I'm, I'm delighted to look at, at David and Jonathan's friendship and to listen to Jesus' words to his disciples, whom he called his friends. So from David and Jonathan, can we see that friendship is formed over shared loves? What is friendship? It's formed over shared loves. C.S. Lewis, he wrote some reflections on different types of love in a book called The Four Loves. And he he commented on the difference between eros, a Greek word, which means the love between lovers, and philia, a Greek word, which is the love between friends. And he said lovers are normally face-to-face absorbed in each other. Friends are side by side, absorbed in a common interest. And he describes the beginning of friendship in a really beautiful way. It's that feeling of you meet someone, you discover something about them, and you go, what, you too? I thought I was the only one who felt that way. It's that realization that you've, you've met another person who shares your love for something that you hold dear. And that's what's going on when, when Jonathan meets David. Jonathan sees in David the same love and zeal for the God of Israel that he has. I mean, there was an army present that day. Jonathan could have made a covenant with anyone, but it was only David who his soul was knit to. It was only David who he became one with in soul. Because David had demonstrated on the battlefield his love and zeal for the God of Israel. He he was literally holding the Philistine's head in his hand, the Philistine who had defied the armies of God, defied the living God, who David went out in battle to meet, trusting that the Lord would protect him. And Jonathan saw David and said, that man has the same love I have. He and I, we we love the Lord our God. I want to do life with him. David had worn his heart on his sleeve and Jonathan could see that they had the same heart. And that was the beginning of their friendship. And isn't that our experience too? I remember when I was a student here in a focus group, uh, we we met with a bunch of undergraduate students. And um, at the end of a Bible study, we shared prayer requests. And one student in the group opened up about something that he was struggling with. And it just changed the whole dynamic of the group. As we suddenly realized, you two, I thought I was the only one with that problem. Isn't that our experience in these groups we meet in, home groups, focus groups, when, when one person says, I need help with this, and suddenly we realize, yeah, we're the same. We've got the same battles, the same, the same struggles, the same joys. Now, that doesn't mean we only offer friendship to people who are like us. It doesn't mean, okay, you don't like trains, we can't be friends but it does mean that we'll find our friendships will flourish when we share our loves together. Whereas we'll probably strain our friendships if we reduce them down to just your responsibilities to me. And it's probably counterintuitive, but friendships around shared loves, well, they don't have to be cliquey. They shouldn't be cliquey. The litmus test for a clique is whether—is what it, what it gets its pleasure from. So a clique gets a kind of perverse pleasure from being the in-crowd and knowing that there are people outside of your group who want to be in it. And you get this kind of perverse pleasure of, we know everyone wants to be like us, but we make it hard for people to get in. That's a clique. But a friendship around a real created love that God has, has given us, say around music, Okay, there might be a group at JPC who everyone knows, oh, they love heavy metal and they go off and listen to heavy metal together. I mean, it might happen. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing about that group is it's open to share that love with other people who love heavy metal. So what does that mean for us at JPC? How do we foster really strong friendships? I think two things. Let's take pleasure in creation. Let's take pleasure in the good world that God has made for us to enjoy and let's take pleasure in Christ together and they're both and not either or so so we're not going to be the kind of Christians who are so absorbed in our hobbies or in our work that we forget about Christ but neither are we going to be the kind of Christians who view the world with suspicion because God doesn't do that God looks at the world he's made and he's thrilled by it he says it's very good I remember uh, at my house, we have a window um, above the sink and I was doing some washing up. And I looked out the window and I saw some squirrels in the tree. And I thought, these squirrels, they just mess around. They're just chasing each other up and down the tree. They're not like the ant, you know, kind of always about its business. These squirrels are just like messing around. They're kind of chasing each other. And I'm just thinking, and it struck me at that point, God's okay with that. God made it. He's satisfied that squirrels do do that. He's not not getting worked up about that. So let's make JPC a place where we talk about our loves with one another, where we make it okay to say, I love this, and meet with people who share that love um, for that particular thing. But let's also make JPC a place where we're it 's so obvious to everyone that the person we all have in common is Jesus Christ, and we love him, and we meet to celebrate him and share our love for him together, because that 's the thing that forms friendship shared loves and if you 're a christian you 've got the deepest connection with everyone here, with other Christians here because it 's the Lord Jesus at the center of your life, so friendship is formed over shared love, but Jesus' teaching in John 15, he says friendship really shines in sacrifice. It's formed over shared love, but it shines in sacrifice. So turn to John 15 and look at verse 9. Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. And can we feel the weight of that little word, as, for a few minutes? the perfect love that the father has for the son the father is completely delighted in the son the son is completely worthy of the father's love the father has just unambiguous no kind of no kind of constraints absolute delight approval affection love for his son and jesus says exactly the same way the father loves me i love you Jesus is delighted with you if you're a Christian. So before we look at what he says about friendship, let's just look at the next few verses. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So when we're going to speak about sacrifice for one another, Jesus says this is the way to know joy. I get joy from sacrifice. I get joy from laying down my life for you. And I want you to experience that joy yourselves. So look at verse 12 and 14. It says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Isn't it extraordinary how Jesus measures love? Not between a husband for a wife or a parent for a child. But he says the, friend, the love that puts, um, the, the, the big relationship that puts love on display for the world, it's friendship. The greatest love that can be expressed is a person willingly laying down their lives for their friends. So specifically for our relationships with one another, it means you know, we, we love one another as, there's that little word as again, as Jesus has loved us, that is by laying down our lives for our friends. And Jesus says, you are my friends. You are the ones that I've laid my life down for, if you do what I command. That means Jesus has made us his friends by laying down his life for us. And we extend that friendship to the people he's laid his life down for by laying our lives down for them. It means Jesus doesn't drop us when things get tough. He sticks by us all the time. So we don't drop our friends when things get tough. So what does this mean for friendship at JBC? It means, again, that our worship of Jesus is fundamental to enjoying flourishing friendships. Because the foundation of our friendship is Jesus' death for us. It's our shared love for Jesus. And one of the joys about visiting Christians who are very different to us, say from a different country or a different culture or background for us, is getting to see their shared love for Jesus. Everything else may be completely different. So the words may be different, uh, the actions may be different. I might not know when, what to say, what to do, when to stand up, when to sit down. But when you can see that their love, the focus of their meeting is worship and adoration of Jesus, there's just this profound feeling that I'm among friends here. I love what these people love. I want what these people want. I belong here. And friendship like that, it shines through sacrifice. So take a moment to think about the friendships in your life what are the things that you see in them that that you you recognize their, their heart on sleeve love for Jesus and how do you celebrate that together it, it might be it might be that ritual we go through giving thanks for food that doesn't need to be just one thing we do that can be one one way that we celebrate and share God's love so we can say thank you God for this great food that we enjoy thank you that it comes from you thank you that we can enjoy it together in a room this size the friends that we're thinking about they'll probably represent a huge range of circumstances and some of our friends will definitely be going through some hard times at the moment how can we help one another be the kind of friends who are there the brothers born for adversity the sisters born for adversity Friends who lay down their lives willingly for others. If we meet in home groups or focus groups um, or prime time, or if we're a Christian family, can we make that the topic of conversation? Can we get those proverbs into our bloodstream? The brother born for adversity, the friend who sticks closer than a brother. And actually, I know in this room um, that there are people laying down their lives for their friends in many beautiful ways. And it shows Jesus' wisdom. It shows his truth. Greater love has no one than this that they lay down their life for their friends. When you see that in action, it's a beautiful thing. So please hear, if that's you, please hear Jesus' words to you this morning. Greater love has no one than this that a person lays down their life for their friends. If you're doing that, Jesus is saying, you are showing love at its highest. But maybe for some of us, we think about our friendships and we just don't know where to get started um, in encouraging, in serving, and sacrificing for them. Can I suggest one thing? Um, it's right down at the bottom. Um, it's the beginning of, of walking together with people. Can I suggest picking up the phone and asking if your friend would like to come to church with you next week? so that they can walk into the door side by side with you to share that same love that you have for Jesus. It's just the beginning. And from there, maybe you'll find other ways that you can lay down your life for that friend in the days and weeks to come. Because the Bible promises there are depths to friendship that are waiting to be explored. So let's make JPC a place that that puts them on display really obvious to see as we meet to share our love for Jesus together as we lay down our lives for one another. Let's take 30 seconds, maybe a friend comes to mind, maybe there's something you want to do, then I'll lead us in a prayer and we'll stand and sing our final song. Father, thank you so much again for this beautiful world you've made and for creating us to be in relationship with you, um, the giver of all good gifts. And thank you so much, uh, Father, for making us to be in relationship with you, in relationship with one another, and for sending Jesus to bring us back into relationship with you and for calling us friends. Please, Father, help us be the kind of friends um, that Jesus is to us. Please, Father, help us to be um, people who put love on display for all the world to see. For Jesus' name's sake, amen.